word. Through technology, we know it's going out throughout the world in ever-increasing numbers. We pray that it reach exactly the people who need to hear it. Use us, Lord, to your glory and make us strong in our faith. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're gonna talk about guts. Medically speaking, guts refer to the internal organs of an animal. It's the part of the body that contains the stomach. But guts means many different things. If you bust a gut, you're laughing so hard your stomach hurts. If you gut your house, you remove everything that you want out of that house. If you spill your guts, you share everything. And throw it up all over each other. I never felt so bad in my entire life. If you hate someone's guts, you hate everything about them. It takes guts to be brave and courageous. And if you have a gut feeling, it isn't just based on facts alone. And that's when you need to trust your gut and listen to your gut. And if you have the guts, you'll do what you need to do. And you've heard the expression, no guts, no glory. It means if you don't have the courage to take a risk, you're never gonna succeed and reach your goals. And it might be scary, but you know in your gut it's something you've got to do. Gut means you have a strong feeling about something. You feel it in your gut. And you can use heart for gut because both are related to our insides and it's a way of saying bravery or courage. While we need guts to successfully navigate today's treacherous world, because suffering is inevitable, and all we can do is control how we're gonna to respond to it. When rebellion entered the world through Adam and Eve, sin infected everything, natural disasters, disease spread worldwide, and probably Many of us in this auditorium have lived through terrible personal suffering, but you know if you belong to Jesus, that's not how it's gonna end. God guarantees that wonderful days are ahead if Christ is our Lord and Savior. Suffering, it's gonna, may surprise you, but it's part of being a Christ follower, and pain is part of the process of being an athlete, a soldier, a survivor. And it's what our study is about in Romans chapter 8, if you brought your Bible today. It's just two verses long, Romans 8, uh, verses 17 and 18. God allows suffering for a Christian's ultimate good. Suffering can even draw us closer to Jesus. It was C.S. Lewis who wrote the book, The Problem of Pain. His wife, Joy Davidman, died of cancer in the third year of their marriage, and he wrote the book because of it. Lewis discussed the problem of suffering, and he said that God uses our pain to bring us to him. As long as we have the false happiness that the world gives us, we'll never seek God. The Bible talks about a mystery that's hard for us to understand, and this is what Paul's discussing in Romans chapter eight. Verse 17, he says, if we are his children, we are also God's heirs, 
If we share in Christ's suffering in order to share his glory, we are heirs together with him. I consider our present sufferings insignificant compared to the glory that will soon be revealed to us. And we need to unpack this together. I typed in the word suffer into Google in 0.48 seconds. 66 million pages came up about suffering. And that doesn't even count the synonyms of suffering like hurt, ache, agonized, languish, pain, sickness, impaired, wounded, wretched, agony, sorrow, grief, distress, misery, lament, weep, devolve, sink, fall apart, droop, and even go down the toilet. The Bible uses synonyms like distress, anguish, affliction, misery, pain, grief, tribulation. And once we know that, it's in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Jesus said in John 16, 33, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but cheer up, I've overcome the world. And sometimes we don't deserve the suffering we're going through. Peter talked about that in 1 Peter 2.19. He says, God will bless you for this if you endure the pain of undeserved suffering. If you endure suffering even when you've done right, God will bless you for it. It was to this that God called you, for Christ himself suffered for you and left you an example so that you would follow in his steps. Many times people suffer even though they're absolutely right with God. And how do we comfort those Christians when they go through this suffering? Well, Christians will suffer, the Bible promises it. According to the Bible, suffering and glory actually are connected to each other. There's two times in a believer's life, the present time, which is about suffering, and a future time, which is about glory. No pain, no gain. Paul connects suffering and glory together, like in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. He says, our suffering is light and temporary. It's producing for us an eternal glory that's greater than anything we can imagine. Light and temporary suffering. How could he call it that when he describes it in such horrific terms, like in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, 23, he lists light and temporary suffering, saying he was frequently flogged, repeatedly exposed to death. Five times he was whipped with 39 lashes. Add that up. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was pelted with stones. Three times he was shipwrecked. He was in danger from bandits, from murderous Jews and Gentiles, he says. Sleep deprived, starved, cold, naked. The list goes on. So the light suffering is only in terms of what's coming. It's nothing in comparison to heaven. And Paul talked about a vision that he had of heaven in 2 Corinthians 12, 4. He said he was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they can't be expressed in words. Well, we want the glory, but not the suffering. We want Easter Sunday without Good Friday. But glory comes at the end of suffering. And why do people suffer? Well, sometimes it's a result of bad choices or sin. But even our birth is traumatic. That's not our fault. 
The doctor snips our umbilical cord and we spend the rest of our lives looking for a place to plug in again. And many bad things can and do happen during childhood and it brings pain and suffering and it's usually not the child's fault. There's physical and mental health problems that cause suffering. And when we feel pain, we wanna make sense of it and we wanna figure out what the cause is. If God is good and loving, how could he allow suffering? And if Jesus was perfect, why did God allow Jesus to suffer? Our suffering sometimes allows others who are going through similar situations to have the hope that we can give to them in that time. People will suffer because they place their faith in Jesus. In fact, the Bible said in Psalm 34, 17, the righteous call to the Lord. He listens, he rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He saves those who have lost all hope. Good people suffer many troubles, but the Lord saves them from them all. So how should we respond when we suffer? And it's very likely to come. Well, suffering, our suffering can bring glory to God. You might remember in John chapter nine, a man had been born blind and the disciples asked teacher whose sin caused him to be born blind. Was it his own or his parents' sin? Jesus answered his blindness has nothing to do with his sins or his parents' sins. He's blind so that God's power might be seen at work in him. He said of Jesus' death, he said of Lazarus' death, Jesus said in John chapter 11, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And God might even work through our suffering as well. It says in 1 Peter 5, 9, be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation. Peter said to a group of Christians, and he says to us, in 1 Peter 4.12, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful test you're suffering as though something unusual were happening to you. Rather be glad that you're sharing Christ's sufferings so that you may be full of joy when his glory is revealed. If you suffer because you're a Christian, don't be ashamed of it. But thank God that you bear Christ's name. Those who suffer because it is God's will for them should by their good actions trust themselves completely to their creator who always keeps his promise. In 2 Timothy 3, 12, it says, those who decide to please Christ by living godly lives will suffer at the hands of those who hate him. Philippians 3, 10, Paul said he wanted to gain three things out of suffering. All I want is to know Christ, to experience the power of his resurrection, to share in his sufferings, to become like him in his death. And you also remember Acts chapter five, Peter and the other apostles had been sharing about Jesus and they were beaten because of that. 
But when the apostles left the council room, they were happy to have been considered worthy to suffer dishonor for speaking about Jesus. In fact, Paul suffered maybe more than anybody else in the New Testament and lived through it. Philippians 1.29, he says, you've been given the privilege of serving Christ, not only by believing in him, but also by suffering for him. 2 Corinthians 1.5 says, you can be sure the more we undergo sufferings for Christ, the more he will shower us with his comfort and encouragement. And by the way, I wouldn't cover this topic at all, except it was next in, in the book of Romans. But these scriptures might actually be preparing us for the end days, if they're upon us. America is at a time now where we may soon be attacked for being a Christian. And these scriptures might actually offer comfort to those who suffer because of their faith. You know, if you watch the news, that churches are increasingly being attacked violently. CBN recently reported that churches are a rising target for attack. They said churches in America today are becoming targets for protests, predators, and terrorists. Security teams are now needed in churches to keep the congregation safe. Churches that preach the true Bible teachings will draw attention from people who don't want to hear anything about it. Check out this one-minute clip. One of the resources that helps Bellevue prepare is church security consultant Tim Miller. It could be coming from here, right? Where else? A former Secret Service agent, Miller says the threat is rising worldwide. Violence against Christians is rampant around the world. It hasn't necessarily touched us at the level it has other places. But if we think we're immune from that, we're sadly mistaken. We will begin as a nation to experience that same level of violence and actually that same methodology is coming to the United States. The question for us is, are we going to be prepared to address it? You're going into a place where broken people are going to be meeting every week, broken people like me. And we need to be mindful that that security that we're providing needs to be ministry-based, but it needs to be every bit as good. CBN says Christians need to trust God, but be prepared for the worse. And you know, if a pandemic has caused our governing authorities to outlaw churches and jail pastors, greater suffering is coming. And what should our attitude be if that comes? The Bible says don't be surprised. Don't be unprepared when it comes. God has not abandoned us. God's people throughout the ages, Christians and Jews, have suffered for thousands of years. And we shouldn't be shocked if, if it comes to us. Christian persecution is growing worldwide. The top 10 nations persecuting Christians today, North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Intria, Sudan, Yemen, Iran, and India, China has now moved from 27th place in the world last year to 23rd place in the world this year. First Chief Justice of the United States, John Jay, says Providence has given our people the choice of their rulers. It's the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. 
But sadly, now just being a Christian is enough to exclude judges from the Supreme Court. Christians are torn apart, literally and verbally, by the ungodly because of our Christian beliefs. Suffering is already a reality and it's growing. So why does God allow Christians to suffer? Harold Kushner wrote the best-selling novel, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. You may remember the title. I don't agree with his theology at all. He's a conservative rabbi, and he says, God is good, but is not all-powerful. He says God is absent in our daily lives. He created us, then walked away from us. He says evil is stronger than God. He says God tries to help people in their suffering, but he's limited. He's wrong on every count. Isaiah 63, 9 says, in all their suffering, he also suffered. He personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. The Bible says that suffering proves our faith is genuine. 1 Peter 1, 6 says, even though it may now be necessary for you to be sad for a while because of the many kind of trials you suffer, their purpose is to prove your faith is genuine. Even gold, which can be destroyed, is tested by fire, and so your faith, which is much more precious than gold, must also be tested so that it may endure. The Bible says endure what you suffer. Your suffering shows that God is treating you as his children. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus suffered, and we will. And it's proof that we belong to Jesus. Suffering will increase our dependence on God. We don't need to think about trusting God when everything's perfect. But when things are bad, our dependence on God will increase. God told Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my power is strongest when you're weak. Therefore, I accept weakness, mistreatment, hardship, persecution, difficulties suffered for Christ. It's clear when I'm weak, I'm strong. And Paul's faith was strongest in God when there was just nowhere else to turn. Suffering can actually strengthen our relationship to God. David said in Psalm 119, verse 67, before you made me suffer, I used to wander off, but now I hold on to your word. He says, my suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Suffering can bring us closer to God. And it reminds me of a scene from a movie, An Officer and a Gentleman. Dined it up. Now tell me what I want to hear. I want your D-O-R. No, sir. I want your D-O-R. I ain't gonna quit. Spell it. D-O-R. I ain't gonna quit. Yeah, then you can be free and you and your daddy can get drunk and go hall chasing again, huh? No, sir. D-O-R. I ain't gonna quit. All right, then you can forget it. You're out. Don't you do it. Don't you. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. And you know, when we figure out that we have nowhere else to go, God is waiting. When we're at the end of our strength, God steps in. It was at the end of a famous poem, maybe you'll remember it before I finish, that says, I noticed 
that during the saddest, most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you. I'll never leave you, never ever. During your trials and testings, when you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. We endure suffering because we know that our God has never failed us yet. And suffering is actually part of bearing good fruit. That's what Jesus said in John 15, 1. He says, I'm the true vine. My Father takes care of the vineyard. He removes every one of my branches that doesn't produce fruit. He also prunes every branch that does not produce fruit to make it produce more fruit. He prunes it. And you imagine if a plant could talk when he sees the gardener coming with shears? That hurts. And Jesus wasn't just talking about gardening. He's saying that God brings suffering into our life to cut away what's unproductive. Our suffering can actually strengthen other Christians. Paul says that in Philippians 1.12, saying, I want you to know, my friends, the things that have happened to me have really helped the progress of the gospel. As a result, the whole palace guard and all the others here know that I'm in prison because I'm a servant of Christ. And my being in prison has given most of the believers more confidence in the Lord so that they grow bolder all the time to preach the message fearlessly. When we show courage through pain, it inspires others to do the same. The way we live and the way we die can actually produce more Christians. Jesus said that in John 12, 23. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Our suffering allows us to have a good witness in the very worst of times. You remember in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, it says, we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Through suffering, Jesus is seen in us. When people see our faith, if we go through bad times and don't waver, they'll know that Jesus isn't just a fair weather friend. Suffering prepares us to live with Jesus, the Bible says. Paul says in our text, verse 17, since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 1.4, we boast about the way you continue to endure and believe through all the persecutions and sufferings you're experiencing. All of this proves that God's judgment is just, and as a result, you'll become worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. And Paul told young Timothy, maybe before he passed the baton of ministry. He says, remember, someday we're going to sit with him and rule with him. But if we give up when we suffer and turn against Christ, 
then he must turn against us. This is a lot to take in. What do we take away? What should we be doing in, in light of all of these things? We need to prepare ourselves when, for when suffering comes. Because the Bible says in the end days, many will fall away from their faith. And I believe that this pandemic we're living through now has tested Christians and each Christian has responded differently. Bigger tests are coming. Paul says, don't be surprised. First Thessalonians 3.2, he says, you know we're destined to suffer persecution. In fact, when we were with you, we told you ahead of time we were gonna suffer persecution. Bible says we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Being a Christian is not for the faint of heart. It takes guts. Gutless means chicken, faint-hearted, lily-livered, spineless, wimpy, yellow-bellied cowards. Now, one of those words shows up at the end of the book of Revelation. Chapter 21, verse 7, all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. I will be their God, they will be my children, but cowards, let it hang. Unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshiper, and all liars. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Cowards. No guts, no glory. So God is going to test us by saying, can I count on you? Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, possibly a message like this is for a time like this. Lord, we know that Many people around the world listen to us on one of three radio stations and on YouTube. We know that the world is heating up and a confrontation is unavoidable. We know that the book of Revelation says that large numbers of people will die before the end comes. And Lord, we might be on that list. All we can control is how we will respond. Give us strength and courage. Let us look to our, our Savior, our Redeemer, Jesus, who endured the pain and suffering because he saw the glory that was ahead. Help us to walk in his footsteps. Forgive us when we make things worse than they need to be. Help us to cooperate with you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we continue to use the scriptures to bring in our heart and it also prepares us for our communion time as well. So shall we sing together our communion hymn and prepare ourselves for sharing the Lord's Supper. Shall we stand and sing that song together? <laughs> 